Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to Be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Will and I'm joined by Trinity. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of FX Hash. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is just for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer a visual language, on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. And if you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens to our Tez wallet address, waitingtosign.tez. And as a companion to this episode, we'll be releasing the show notes full of images and all the stuff that we talk about on FX text for you to browse and follow along to and mint if you feel like supporting the show in that way. And why wouldn't you want to support the show? Well, that is the question we keep asking ourselves as we watch the number of people who mint each week go down and down and down. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you want those notes to continue, I think get out there and mint. And if you've been meaning to mint, you know, show us that you enjoy them because they are a lot of additional work on top of the episode. And people have told us they wish they had things like that. No one's buying them. So <laughs> it's not really doing what we hoped. I went through and bought one. I, I want to collect one of each just, you know, for posterity's sake. Yeah, I have the first few. I need to catch up on the, the most recent ones. But yeah, certainly makes sense for each of us to have at least a full set. I mean, I think that's a great segue into our chit chat this week. Not that we need segues to chit chat, but uh, just as an FYI, the notes will still be coming out this week and they might be coming early, but they might be smaller than usual just because I'm moving this week. Trinity is moving to another place in Brooklyn. Yes. You're not taking the coward's way out like me. No, uh, we're taking the let's spend up a little bit more because why not and not change our lifestyle and literally move to, I'm not going to call your, your home is not garbage. It's not like a a trash site. Wow. But Jersey, Jersey on the other hand, there's just so many jokes to be made about New Jersey. I guess so. Are you prepared to disclose why you're moving or is this going to be just a last minute surprise? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. We can disclose why I'm moving. So um, we're moving because my wife is having a baby in approximately a month, give or take. And so we need extra space. And you're doing it the right way, which is to to move first, then have the baby, which is the opposite of what we did. I mean, <laughs> so. to be fair, our, our lease is up in February, so we could have stayed. Yeah. But that, I think, is the level of chaos that having seen you go through it, I got to learn from your lessons, which is amazing. I think it was the first thing I told you when you let me know. I was like, move, move now, do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, congrats. That's awesome. But also start looking at apartments, just move. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those things where like, we have like a one and a half bedroom, but none of the doors close. So like there's the space is there probably to get us through like the first six months or something. But I think doors that close are really fantastic. Probably. They help. I mean, you're probably hearing her in the background right now, but my, even with my door closed, but Sana is especially high pitched. I think that the, the sounds that she's making, they've also really, um, they've changed over the last month. Oh yeah. The screaming is new in the last two weeks. It actually started, I think it really started. So this was like a huge week for me in a way that was super unusual because my typical week is just to do nothing. 
and stay at home in front of the computer and just cook and do stuff with the baby. So we went up to the Finger Lakes last week, left Thursday, came back Sunday. Everything went really good as far as the baby was concerned. Then came back and immediately my mom was here. So then we hosted my mom for two nights. And it it she, was planned, right? She just it was did... planned. She okay. didn't just show up. Yeah. <laughs> so then she was here to see Sana. And then she drove back to Pittsburgh on Tuesday. And then six hours later, I drove to the airport to pick up Akari's mom. Who Oof. then we hosted for two nights as she came out to see Sana for the first time since week three. It's because they live in California. So that's a little bit further distance. Wow. And then just took her back yesterday. So basically since Thursday, it's been, oh, and on top of that, my work computer bricked and I had to actually drag myself into the office to go to the tech bar and get a new one. So it was really, Did you get a better one? No, it's a refurbished. It looks exactly the same. Oh. They were able to rescue my files, which was great. That is very good. It was quite the event. All of them kind of gathered around and they were like trying different things and they were like, no, don't, don't do that. Okay. Now let's set this up. And they were, they got it all. It only took about a half hour. It was pretty good. Huge relief. And you got to go back to New Jersey, which is amazing. You didn't have to stay the whole day at the office, but no, no, I went back. I was, I got there at 10 and I was leaving at 11 to come back. So good. It's almost not worth it to travel, but I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad that you got to go to the office and realize that commuting sucks and just really embody that experience. It was horrible. It yeah. was really terrible. I mean, of course, the, the day that I go in was the day that there was like a police investigation at a stop. And so then I had to wait for four trains before I could get on one. And it was just like... Don't need that in your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For someone who's like definitely lean to introvert like me, it's been an extremely exhausting week of doing stuff. And then this weekend, hopefully it's just edit the podcast, chill, recover, from here, it's going to be pretty good. I don't think I have anything planned for Saturday or Sunday. So yeah, just some catching up. It was a pretty good week as far as news go. Yeah. Anything in particular that we should, where, where should we start on the news here? I think we should probably start out with the official news from FX Hash. Thursday, November 3rd was the official first anniversary. You know, if you go back to token number zero, FX Hash logo, that was when it was minted on the third. So we're having anniversary events, but not for another week or so. Yeah. Not until the week of the 14th. Yeah. FX hash put out a tweet that was like, okay, like, hey, artists, you got two weeks to get a project together. If you want to drop something in honor of FX hash one year anniversary, that whole week is going to be a celebration full of announcements and then platform updates. And then hopefully some cool art and also hopefully a cool, waiting to be signed episode. We're hoping that, that comes through, wow. you know, no official announcements yet, but we're hoping to take part in our own, own way. So it's you. I mean, it's crazy. One year. It is actually crazy. You've been here for about a year then. Yeah. A year minus two weeks. Yeah. Like I, I didn't join in time to mint the RGBs and the logos and stuff, but I was definitely here for some of the early Lindo stuff. Of course I didn't mint it, but you know, a lot of the earlier, drops it's crazy yeah back then i remember the things that i was most excited about were 3d manatee and quentin hokti i mean those were really exciting drops yeah those are like the ones that were minting out fast and having secondary actions just like neither of them are that active anymore 
Uh, we've had some stuff from 3D Manatee. It's been a while, though. I just remember, like, really excited to purchase my African Idol by Jen Doodler as my first purchase once the marketplace back opened back up because it was on the closed cycles. And Jen Doodler is still around. I saw that they were, they had some stuff on socials and work in progress from a few weeks ago that hasn't materialized yet. So I know that they're working on something. Well, we'll be looking forward to that then just for posterity's sake, if nothing. But what, so the deal is that if an artist releases something with 365 editions for one Tez and donates everything to charity. Is it everything to charity? Yeah, I think it's everything to charity. So I guess it should be something where it'll be a week of many, 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 many releases. It's very similar to what we had at the end of uh, end of beta and the start of 1.0, which I think had 200 or 300 projects on just the first day. I didn't catch that it was like bound at one Tez, which means that if anyone of like any note at all releases something, then it's just going to be flip, flip fest after flip fest as people like want those drops that memorialize the anniversary. They want the artist. The art's hopefully going to be cool. The bakers will get paid. The bakers will get paid. You know, hopefully the secondary at least generates some additional royalties for these charities. It'll be exciting at least, even if, even if it's frustrating, it'll be exciting. So another thing this week is that Tender finally integrated Ethereum. I mean, is this a finally? I think to people who prefer ETH, it's a finally, <laughs> but I don't know, you know, I know that there's a lot of people who collect on both chains, right? And it's inter- it's an interesting exercise in trying to just look at the art for the art's sake and not think so much about where it lives. And so now there's this like unified icons list, which is maintained by AJ Bernie. You know, go back to our AJ Bernie interview episode if you want to kind of hear the mystical methods he uses to put that together. But it was kind of fun, like scrolling through. I mean, I don't, I don't think either of us have played, paid super close attention to our blocks. And so there was a lot of projects that I was seeing for the first time. Yeah, definitely a lot of them that I hadn't seen before. Obviously, some of like the favorites, like I love Meridians, I love Incomplete Control by Tyler Hobbs. It's really fun to see them next to everything that's on FX Hash as well. Like it's a really nice interplay. And I, as far as I can tell, this is the first time that anything like this has been done. Sites like Archipelago, they've you know created like pseudo icons list across ETH projects, like and many different platforms, whether it's Artblocks or GM Studio. But in terms of having something cross chain, you know, this is really something that's here to elevate the generative art space. And, you know, outside of the context of the blockchain or purely the blockchain, I should say. Yeah. Are there any pieces that you discovered that you were like, I know you're a Rituals fan, but is there anything else that you kind of discovered here that you were like, whoa, that's really cool. I wish I, I had that. <laughs> Parnassus by MP, MP Cause. It's uh, in the other platforms list. I think it's really cool. I love the colors currently has a 4.69 ETH floor, which means very little to me. I just know that that is many, many Tezos. What about you? I was familiar with this project, but I'd never really browsed through it. I really, really like Screens by Thomas Lynn Peterson. Yeah. And just kind of looking at all of them also, like the thing that stood out to me wasn't so much the difference in the quality of the art. Like I think seeing FX hash interspersed here, FX hash really holds up well 
against mm-hmm. a lot of these projects, like just in terms of the, the quality of the art itself. But the thing that was most striking was how much less was listed on the ETH side, especially towards the top end of the list. So like screens was a thousand editions and there's 60 listed. That's nothing. That's nothing, right? You would expect on FX hash that there'd probably be a hundred to 200 listed, something like that. You know, Meridian's a thousand editions, 12 listed. I mean, to be fair, if I had a Meridian, I probably would not be listed. And, and I know the last few weeks also the ETH AB market's been heating up and probably a lot of stuff has been taken off the floor, delisted, but across the board, like memories of Chilin, uh, 1,024 editions, 80 listed. So I think it shows maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if it's the maturity of that market or just that people there are stronger hands or that, that they just had more time to, to flip through. Like, is this the, the future of FX hash is, I guess, the thing that's in my mind is, is that kind of the inevitability. Well, honestly, if you look at it though, Meridian came out September 28th. So it's not a huge, it didn't come out that much before. It's not like an extra year. It's an extra, you know, five weeks at best of being on the market. But obviously it was in a hotter market with more people. So I guess from a churn perspective, it makes sense that it goes into the hands of holders. Hard to know exactly, but I just thought it was it was just kind of an interesting thing that I noticed. I think the other interesting step on Meridian is that there are people that have two of them and then everybody else has one. Oh, so it's like very flat distribution. It's very flat. It's interesting to go through and sort by collectors high to low on all of these. For example, Fidenza, somebody has 44 Fidenzas and another person has 31. Yeah, just a casual few million dollars worth of Fidenzas. No big deal. I mean, they're not that liquid, right? At those prices, I actually have no idea. This is kind of a good transition. I, well, there's one other thing to announce, but then uh, there's a topic, or at least something I wanted to introduce to you, which is this book I'm reading. But let's just announce also that our Two Board Apes interview is dropping next week. So we got Jamie Musings and Zeneca on, and we talked all about Journey of Art, and it's going to come out uh, the Wednesday after this episode. So look forward to that if you're fans of them and follow them. And then do you want to do donations real quick? And then I'll tell you this one little semi-topic before we do the, it's related to that. Donations will be quick this week. Uh, yepa, yepa, yepa. I donated a 2511 November 1, November 1, sorry, uh, which is a seasonal follow-up to their um, Bear PFP project, which is super cool. So thank you. And then uh, Jay Riley Key gifted us two kernels which were the sound piece from a couple of weeks ago by Augustin Nag. Thanks for those. We love a sound project. I do believe that they were gifted because I missed the Coronado Mint. <laughs> I mean, you take what you can get, right? Like, yeah. I mean, personally, when I saw those come in, I was like, hell yeah, these are awesome. I mean, I just think awesome. that that's a great project. I actually minted, there, I don't know if this was true or not, but I saw in Discord someone said, oh, like Augustin went through and reduced the price in all of the open mints. And I went through and grabbed some more of everything, basically. But then someone else was like, wait, aren't these the prices that they were like two months ago? <laughs> so I was like, The kernel, the, it, that didn't change price, but I think Dotwork did. So I think it was at six or eight and it got reduced down to two. Yeah. So I went through and got some Dotworks and some more Landfalls um, in particular, just to have more. Because that's one of my favorite artists here. So this is kind of related to like the high prices of Fidenza. Okay. So I started reading this book that I've seen referenced a lot 
on Twitter and in Discord for like the last year, basically. And it's called like the $12 million Stuff Shark. It's a book that was written, I think, 2006, 2007 range, all about the high-end contemporary art market and auctions and gallery systems and like dealers and collectors. And it's really interesting. Some of the parallels, like they're not like one-to-one parallels, but there's some really interesting parallels between the way things work in like long-form generative, like we collect and some of the things that are described here, like most distinctly, I would say like the tastemakers and these characters who are really big buyers and early adopters who are basically floor sweepers of new artists. And then because of their like wealth and largesse are able to host huge parties and have control over maybe galleries because of the amount of money they have, and then get these artists that they've already swept the floor on placed in really premium places, which then drives up the value of the work that they've already collected. And like often a lot of the work that they've collected is what's being exhibited. And then they kind of like 10 X or 20 X their investments and sell off like a chunk of what they bought or donate it to a museum temporarily and things like that. And like this one person, Charles Saatchi. From the uh, Saatchi and Saatchi? Yes. The marketing company? Okay. Yeah. This guy is like the main character of the book as far as like the branded collector. And just hearing about him and the things he does where he's like, has some really good art that a museum wants. And he's like, oh yeah, you can display it, but you also have to like take the art that I just bought and also display it and like do a retrospective around this artist that I also like. And just like the amount of basically market manipulation (laughs) and stuff that he does, because he's also sells, like he's a big reseller of work, like a huge reseller of work. And it's just kind of fascinating. I don't know if there's any direct like Saatchi type character in the ecosystem here, because a lot of the collectors that we talk to who do influence the market just don't sell, right? Or at least right now they're like, yeah, I'm not selling, not yet. But he's someone who's like moves in, moves in big, and then a lot of other people follow him because he's such a tastemaker. And I'm gonna see you in like a week, and I'll I'll have finished the book by then and drop it off with you. It's really oh, amazing, fun read. Yeah, it sounds really really fascinating. Um, also, there is a Jen Artyan, which is allegedly, according to Wikipedia, Charles Saatchi purchased his first work of art by Sola Witt. Oh, really? That hasn't come up yet in the book. Because it's focusing on the contemporary art. It was his first art purchase of all time. That's cool. So that is really cool. They're mostly kind of like tying him into like the hearsts and stuff, like the the contemporary art scene, like the people who get $100 million at auction stuff now. Like, I guess he kind of like discovered Hearst. It was like one of the first people to move in big on his art. I'll pass that on to you and we can dissect it more on a future episode and see what we find. But I, I will say one disclaimer, it's really poorly written. So... <laughs> Like, no offense to the to the author. More of an offense to the editor. Like even the poll quote on the front of the book is extremely poorly written. It has like repetition of words in a really awkward way where if you speak it out loud, it's like sounds like you're a moron. So <laughs> it's really more about, I guess, you know what? It's about the art. It's not about the writing. So it's really a fun book. Not to continue the pattern to go further on onto this train without talking about like the the drops of this week. But it is kind of like tangentially related to um, an article that I read earlier this week. I, I think I linked it somewhere in the tender discord at the very least. And it's about people who are shocked and awed and appalled at the idea of, I think it's an overwatch, that a digital collectible in overwatch, like it's a little keychain. It costs more to buy in the game than it does in real life. <laughs> and 
The idea is that people are like really alarmed that digital goods are outpacing the price of physical goods when it comes to collectibles. And in my mind, it makes total perfect sense that, of course, something that you buy as a cosmetic item in a game should be cost more in that game because it's giving you more clout in that game. Whereas, you know, thinking about it, unless you're in major nerd gamer culture in real life, it could actually be like a social detriment mm. carrying that keychain or whatever, like in your pocket, like as you go to your high profile business work meeting, right? Right. And yeah. so you're paying more for the benefit of A, not having to store something and it actually meaning something to the people that you're socializing with in context. That sounds like one of those things that some games journalists wrote to like kind of generate outrage or something. <laughs> like, yeah. It is funny. I mean, but yeah, definitely put that article in the notes for this week. And I'll, I'll send you the book on Amazon so we can, can we do referral links in the, the FX text article? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, might we just as well. set up a joint Amazon account, but Ugh, okay, forget it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna do that. But we should definitely talk about the book more. I have like other things, I, other interesting things that stand out, but I don't want to take up too much time on it and just like explain the book. I'd rather talk to you about it. So that that could be a really fun episode, like a side episode or something. But yeah, do you want to move on to the art? When I'm looking at the notes here, I see that you have two ish favorites. Uh, I didn't really have any favorites this week, but I'm very happy to talk about the ones that you've. Uh, marked out as things that you love. So first one is a Sap Song Part 2, which is from Yami Virginette. And they released Sap Song back in April. It was a really fun animated musical piece that uses like marimba and cello and some interesting percussion instruments to kind of make this very just like plinky noise. It does feel very generative the way the noise works, but also because everything is kind of in tune, it all vibes and it's fun and then mm-hmm. they followed it up now with sap song part two and they've changed up the animations it's still very similar and, and referential to sap song part one just a really fun cool follow-up like great pieces for the sound gallery of course and also i think the thumbnails are pretty nice um, it didn't blow up in the same way that sap song one did there's still a few actually available to mint as of this recording very few uh, it's only three tez so I guess this is kind of like a shout out, kind of like a favorite of the week, but everyone knows I love these sound pieces. I can see why I didn't mint out compared to Sap Song Part 1. I was looking at this and considering minting for quite a bit, but I found the sound wasn't quite as pleasing. It's a little bit more jarring because it's not the mellow undertones that felt very organic with Sap Song. You have to play the sound in order to really understand it, but it's more of like the upper like plinky, like more of a mechanical plinky rather than like a natural plunking perhaps not as acoustic yeah and you know i think looking at the two projects side by side yeah the thumbnails actually are really really nice as you look into them in the grid but i think that we see time and time again that things that are part two part three part four so on you see a lot of diminishing returns on the primary or i guess the artist does this one was spaced nicely they had some Mm -hmm. projects in between only three tes so it makes sense to grab a few on that same note another sound animated project that came out this week that i kind of expected might have made our top five and did not is a uh, sankara which is a collaboration between press tube and bezor press tube james patterson has some other projects on the platform they're all really cool and weird and very distinct and it's an artist that has a pretty big history outside of fx hash dating back into the 90s. So this is like 
an OG artist well before you know NFTs were around. I actually had you mint one of these because I was away <laughs> and you picked one up for me, which is awesome. They kind of have this droning sound element to them, but also they just do this really cool thing where they do the RGB cellular automata kind of thing. And then they wrap into these 3D things that spin and then they go back out. So they kind of flip and transform between 2D and 3D. All the while, there's this like droning generative sound playing. The comparison I was making in my mind with this one was kind of to Takata of like really unique animation. I don't, you know, the sound is obviously different, right? Takata is like piano and reverberation, all this stuff. But just from a, how interesting the actual visuals were. So yeah, I just really liked it instantly. I was really hyped on it and I was nervous it was going to mint out, which is why I asked you to mint one for me. And then not only did it not mint out, but it got, it stalled out at around 150 and then they burned it. And actually really great for its secondary action, I would say, because the people who did mint those first 150 are major holders, right? It has only seen 12 sales with 21 listed, which is pretty high, but a healthy floor of 125, which is really great for a project that hadn't minted out. I'm not going to lie. I, I did sit here and look at it for like 30 minutes, maybe like flipping through variations, playing the sound, watching it animate. And I really wasn't sure how generative the sound was because it does sound like pretty much the same and it like the sound starts in the same place. And, you know, Mm. all the pieces have like a uniform way of the path that it takes before it wraps into like a unique shape, which is what you see on the thumbnail. It actually doesn't say specifically in the description that the sound is generative. So I guess kind of an open question about it. And yeah, you're right. Like definitely when you look at who's holding it now that it's been burned down to 150, not a lot of just Tez addresses. You know, it's a lot of names that you'll recognize. Mm-hmm. A lot of artists, actually. <laughs> Mostly artists. People with conviction. Yeah. And yeah. I guess we should all be copy minting artists because they have better taste than we do. Maybe in the long term, they'll be more right than wrong. Another favorite, I just thought it was really cool. And unfortunately... Stalled out, burned, but wanted to mention it in my favorite section, as is my right. I mean, I love so much of what Press Tube has done. I have such a fond spot in my heart for Nouveau Dilsac. It's just like the most joyous animated piece ever. It's so really cool. It currently has a floor of 68. I would probably pick one or two of those up before I grabbed a Sankara or one of that and, you know, a Lemon Princess. This project got me thinking about going back and picking up some of his other work. It also got me thinking of this could be a cool person to have on the show at some point because their work is really distinct. And also they have this whole history off the platform that I think would be cool to highlight. We'd have to do some research on that. Yeah, we would. <laughs> uh, should we, you want to do top five, top four? It's a top four this week. It's a top four this week. And with a really clear number one, which is Coronado by friend of the podcast slash collaborator, Jaris. It was 400 editions, 16 Tez. And I'm so happy for Jaris that the performance on this is just amazing. And also the art is amazing and it blew up. It blew up in a big way. And I am I feel so sorry that you, you missed out on this one because I know you would have minted it for sure. Yes. Luckily, this came out at a moment that I was at my computer and I could mint and I literally drained the remaining Tez I had in my wallet minting this one. I got five of them 
I got a little concerned, a little worried after two, because it was not moving fast in the beginning. I think by the time I minted my third one, we were still like between 100 and 200 minted, so not even halfway there. And I was like, okay, it's slowing down, but that's okay. Like, I think the project is cool. And we love Jerez. And then that last 150 went really fast. And after that, you started seeing some of the flippers taking their small profits and all of that. I was actually waiting because I saw that it minted out like right when I got back to my computer. And I saw that it was like decent number listed floor price of about 22, which at a mint cost of 16, that's not too bad. Prices are going to undercut. You know, there's a chance it goes below mint. I'll be able to pick up the, like the ones that I want on the market. But then Abosh got in, Carbe Diem got in, Le Mans 2D got in, I think some other folks as well. Mage, many jeans got in. And so when you have all of these like very known collectors get in, it just, I'll see you later, man. <laughs> these things, these pieces are locked up. Yeah, Lamont, Abosh, um, Obi got mm-hmm. in. That 012.tez. Mage, Heavy got seven of them on the secondary. I don't know how many they minted. Um, Unblocked Gallery, yeah, a bunch of tenders in like the three to five range. So I flipped one and I have one more listed. We were actually chatting with Jerez and giving them their congratulations. And as it was still like, what, in the 40 to 50 range on the secondary, I was like, okay, I'm just going to throw one up at 100. And then within an hour or two, it sold. And I was like, oh my God, this is really taking off. Easily their biggest secondary volume piece, right? And also really big on the primary as well, because I think that um, some of the most recent Jerez drops, waiting to be signed Olympic posters edition aside, you know, they've been really more in like that 220, 240 range at least out of the recent ones and definitely at lower price points hereafter, which was their previous 400 edition project was at nine. It was a DA. It's been 245 secondary sales with 69 listed. It's been hovering in that 60 range. But if you look at the graph for the last two days, it's like the amount listed is just slowly going down. And the floor price is still going up. Uh, Yeah. So I listed a second one at 200. The floor is 170. So if that one sells, then I'm probably just holding my three remaining and just being very happy. Let's talk. We have not even talked about the piece yet because the whole like market action around this and just like the fervor, this was definitely the big one of the week. What are your feels about this one, Trinity? First of all, we have to say that this is a piece that was inspired by a guitar, a very used guitar that Jairus has owned for many, many years. They wrote a really amazing FX text article with pictures of said guitar. So it's about the washed out colors, like just kind of like the abrasion and the erosion that happens for something that has been very well loved over the years and just kind of the patina that kind of comes across with the use. And so take a look at that article. Somebody bought it, over 300 of them. Yeah, that's weird. Because they were free and now they're selling them for like three to five Tez on the secondary. So it's a very successful FX text article, I have to say. You know, when I was looking at the floor prices, when I was looking to maybe buy around 22, there was one thing that I was worried about, I have to say, which is that all of the the first rows of floor pieces, they were all that pinky, purpley color. And I didn't really love that color. And I was like, oh, this is one where there's going to be a clear differential in terms of what people would desire. So that part made me a little bit worried. But looking at the floor now, and you have some of the ones that have like that bright, rich like 
burnt orange that have like the greens and the blues and the yellows swept in. Like I'm specifically looking at the current floor piece number 48. Mm. To me, that is beautiful. It's outstanding. I love the richness of that particular palette. When I first saw this, the thing that came to mind was you have these like really striking, well-defined bars of color shooting across the canvas and then hitting this like zone of disruption where they disperse and blend and kind of go nuts. And it just kind of made me think of like a broken prism. Okay. Or maybe just like a weird network of prisms that were all interacting with each other and creating just this blending and shooting of different colored light. Jarrah's picked an amazing one for the project thumbnail. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. I guess I don't mind so much the pinkish ones because I kind of associate Jarrah's with pink. And so it feels like really on brand for their work. Mm-hmm. But seeing how much diversity they got out of something that I think really could have run the risk of like having too much sameness in it, the way mm-hmm. the pieces are structured, designing it around, like I said, like these bars that then hit like the zone and it often produces a T-like structure like a letter T, but there's really is so much nuance in each one. So much like variety in the texture, variety in the way the colors blend and warp that even if you found two that had a very similar shape, you're going to find, I think, enough difference that like it would almost be interesting to have both in your collection to kind of show, yeah, show off how robust the algorithm is. Like 400 feel, feels spot on. Yeah, I think so. I agree really the the sense that I get, especially like looking through the FX text article, is also how it really gives me that sense of being like zoomed in up close and just getting like a patchwork little square of what that guitar looks like, especially with some of like the other palettes, because you can see you're looking at such a small part of a whole. And you can tell that if you zoomed out and looked at more of this, that it would just blend into something that's super smooth. Like very much like maybe Mona's water lilies to a certain extent, where it's like we're looking at like a tiny patch of you know paint, and that's something that I really appreciate about it. You know, in the article they also talk about vapor trails. It's one of my favorite Jarrah's projects. I'm so sad that I don't have any more. Don't list projects you don't want to sell, folks. It's just bad. Well, anyway, vapor trails also uses like the bar structure that is there to kind of break up the piece a little bit. And so you can kind of see that inspiration and that throughput there. I think the other thing that this makes me think of is Obliques by the Jairus Alt account, CCO, XOXO, just in the way that things are moving and are structured because you kind of get that bar pattern in Obliques as well. I got big Mark Maurer vibes. Yes, from was, this one. that's exactly what I was about to yeah. say. You know, this is not just a pure color field, but the saturation of the colors and just like the way the blending plays out it feels a lot like some of those ai color field projects that are over on object i think you can you could definitely see some influence there right like for sure but these hit in their own way you got a reserve right how did yours come out mine was pretty cool i have to say it was on the the pinkish side but it was in like a really really deep dark sense of the word it's um like number 393 and so it has like a lot of like the midnight blue purplish colors and like deep reds so even though it's within like the quote-unquote pink family it just has a like a real richness that i appreciate yeah this one's really nice part of it like with the fan aspect it makes me think of some of like the tilted sequences 
most sequences are straight up and down, but the ones that kind of go off to the side. Like a tilted blended sequence. Yeah, yeah. this is, yeah, you, you rolled two rareish traits. You got reversed and flipped on this one, which okay. is pretty cool. Yours kind of bucks the structure a little bit. I think it's also a little bit zoomed in so that um, it doesn't have that like really striking bar of color. Like it's like it kind of takes up half the canvas, but there are some that almost break the structure and just like look purely washed out. Like number 94 is so sick. So this is uh, owned by Flash Wrecked. You can tell it's within the family of outputs, Mm -hmm. but it feels so distinct. Yeah. So different. Number 54 by, or not by, but owned by La Renard, like really stunning. Same thing with like 202 by Nor 44. The stroke of orange at the top and then the way Mm -hmm. some of the greens and pinks and browns are like dripping off the bottom. And then lastly, one that just also feels so distinct and and a little bit more into that AI color field type of white is number 241 owned by Chess Boss. That one's very cool. That one actually reminds me of uh, a hereafter to a certain extent, just like the way that it's constructed with like the uh, different lines kind of jutting across horizontally and really breaking up those vertical slices. There's just so much diversity in something that seems like the rules are pretty simple and mm-hmm. just the taste of the, the color palettes. I mean, I, th- I just feel like we could do a whole episode on this piece and oh. just like, keep looking at them and talking about them. Yeah. I really enjoy like the yellowy orange, like the sunset effect of number 279 by Hey Neff. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice Coronado. It just really speaks to the actual color of the guitar, if you look at that. Yeah. I mean, that's such a different color from so many of them. It's, mm-hmm. it's so excellent. And the way it's blended, I think, is mm-hmm. really, really nice because it, it makes total perfect sense. It almost looks like it could be from that physical object. It's just so natural in the way it comes together. So I know this piece was named after a guitar, but the thing that I kept thinking, reading through the write-up that Jerry's made kind of about like imperfection letting go chaos amidst order my second favorite deer hunter song is also named coronado if you can find a youtube link put it in but the thing that's so cool about that song in particular and a lot of their work when you listen to it it almost sounds like you're listening to it like in a room adjacent Mm. the way that they mixed it it's like almost a little muffled and because of that you get these like really interesting blown out sound sometimes because you're not quite getting the detail that's there and it's like clearly intentional especially in that song and that's one of the few songs that they did that features like brass instruments and stuff I, did you ever listen to deer hunter when i was really into them <laughs> did, did maybe I to a certain to extent I, I i don't think i i don't remember hearing that particular song i have to say that doesn't mean i haven't heard it that song to me is very much like chaos amongst order imperfection creating something that's like greater than could have been achieved through like pure engineered sound. I think we have to move on. This is going to be the Coronado episode. It's just the top 50 Coronados that we like. Yes. <laughs> we got to move on, I think, to the second biggest project of the week. Constellations by Yazid. Yeah. This was really a small run. It was 50 editions with the DA starting at 500, going down to 150. I believe it sold out in the, the 320 range. There's a chance that some win at 230. But with 50 editions and 10 of those reserved for Yazid, it it was pretty fun to watch, I think. It came out at exactly the same time as Coronado, I believe. It was this and two other projects all hitting the the feed at once. But this is another project that got really like wrapped up by collectors pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, the price point, it's a little hard for the, I think, the average FX hash user to get in. And it it did go out at 320. It didn't hit the 230 tier. I think we saw like the first six to eight even go at at 500. 500. 
you kind of get it, right? Like there's only 50 of them, 10 were reserved. Looks like Carpe Diem got one, Lonely, Pronoia, just some general big holders of um, Yazid's work. Yeah, only 50. So I guess if you're really into Yazid, this is like a really grailish one in terms of the quantity. I think we'll see how it quote unquote does. You know, if we look at some other small run projects, you know, and we've talked about this extensively in the past, they tend to have worse returns in the short to medium term. I'm using a lot of air quotes here because ultimately nobody cares about the market performance because it's cool as hell. But, you know, we've talked about this in terms of like Afton, right? There's fewer going through the feed. Everything is a little bit more locked up. It's not quite as liquid. And so you don't really expect to see the prices go up quite as much as you might otherwise. We did see some quick flips, like 13 of them sold, I think all in like the four to 500 range. One went for 800. I didn't see which one that was. There's kind of like two styles here. So there's the black with the white stars and constellation on top, sometimes featuring a few differently colored stars like red or green. And then there's the white canvas with the black stars. And those tend to also feature like colored lines running across mm-hmm. them. I'm not exactly sure what's up with the colored lines. Like th- those colored lines actually reminded me of the AI uh, GPT-3 piece. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The AI Starfield piece by Codexter also had these like colored lines running across it. Maybe that's just some astronomy thing if it's appearing in both of these that I'm just not familiar with. I don't know. I think I prefer the more common ones, like the black with the white stars, to be honest. How about you? I do like both, actually. I think this is a really nice piece. This is one of the ones that don't look at it in like a two by two inch thumbnail, folks. Like you are just not doing yourself or the work justice. What you have to do is like find the biggest monitor you possibly can and open it live there. And even then, you know, it's still not going to be that big unless you have like a Samsung TV or something. Hmm. Because like the depth and the texture that you get when you see this big is a complete game changer, in my opinion, with how the piece emotionally feels. Okay. That's just my my opinion. I don't know when I'll have an opportunity to do that, but I need to do it because... Make it full height on your monitor right now, you know, and just comparing that to like a preview or a thumbnail. Yeah, I mean, I looked at some of these bigger... I'm now interested because I want to see them. I mean, my laptop is not that big, but this is definitely one where for me, I'll say it's not in my top Yazid projects. So I need to, yeah, I would love to experience it bigger and kind of get a little bit more out of it. Cause I mean, other than the fact that it's like so short run and I get that, I think there's other Yazids I'd much prefer to it. Yeah. This is you know kind of an extension and this is in the project description of Yazid's live minted piece at, at Art Basel Hong Kong, Gestalt. Gestalt, yeah. Yeah. And so you can see where the two themes intersect, mm-hmm. but obviously they're very different bodies of work or different, very different works. I like constellations better, I think. And I'm actually with you that the ones that are on the dark background that have like smatterings of color, it feels like there's a lot more depth to the piece, you know, when you see them up big. You know, it gets into like the spaciness of space, you know? I love space. Like just the full expansion. If you look at number 28, you get like a big dipper type of vibe with the way that like the constellation is created. It kind of arcs out. Yeah, yeah. No, I see that for sure. And I think the constellations themselves actually feel much more real on the dark backgrounds as well. I agree. Those are the ones I tend to like more. I think that they kind of create more interesting 
texture, especially because they tend to also have like ambient light shooting off streaks of white. And that effect just isn't as stark on the Black Star's white background. It's just not as present. Yeah. Even though you can still see it's there, it just doesn't make the same impression. Yeah, I can see that if this were a project that had a larger run, people would be naming their constellations for sure. Similar to how people like do it with ringers, right? Yeah, I can see that. But I also wonder like how many more it could support without kind of just looking like a massive blur one after another. Uh, I'm kind of wishing I had minted two of these. But you minted zero, right? <laughs> I missed the mint. I, I missed yeah. Coronado. I missed it all. Would these have even been in your price range? I don't think so. Yeah, they would be. I have my vault. So that's why I would have minted two. And then I would have oh, sold one, one at 800. Yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly that worked out. For that one person. Yeah, for that one person. I think this is really great. I think this is something that you have to sit with and like look at. If you don't like it right now, just make it big and stare at it. Okay. Feel the expansiveness of the universe. I'm going to keep trying because I do like space and I do like stars. And do you like the expansiveness of the universe? It's a little scary, but yes. Okay. We'll get that. <laughs> All right. Speaking of scary, should we move on to our next one? <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is your favorite project of the week. I know. You're going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting on this one because I didn't realize yet it had done as much volume as it had and that we were going to have to talk about it. This is Gen XYZ DOS Occult, 10,000 editions, Dutch auction from five to one. I assume the bulk of these went out at one. And this yes. is by Gen XYZ, which is, I guess, an alias for the artist Cola, who I'm not super familiar with. But there are two different FX Text articles talking about this, one from Cola themselves and then another that's an interview with Cola. So what's going on here? What are we looking at, Trinity? So we're looking at a very classic PFP project that is really not based around a roadmap, a la Moonbirds or anything like that. It's just there to be really freaking cool. It is also 100% code base, similar to Small Skulls, which I think is something that came as a uh, surprise to a lot of people. Because typically when you would see a project like Das Occult, you would expect there to be like, okay, there are this number of headbands, there are this number of like weird fucked up zombie teeth, <laughs> you know, um, let's get a layered image of what a neckbeard looks like and we'll just put all these things on top of each other and we'll create a variety that way. But, you know, everything is drawn in code. It's probably layered code, I would assume. But you get some pretty cool effects sometimes. Some of them are more flat and, you know, just scream zombies. And then some, like number 770, which is linked in the article, it has like this really glowy, trippy neon effect that feels like it's something that was done in like almost uh, post-processing, like after effects type of thing. So being fully code-based really gave Kala access to a, a much larger range of outputs and palettes or just effects that let there be a little bit more uh, diversity, not just in the elements that are within the project, but the expression of them. It is cool that it's all code based. It is all generated by code, but it's also clearly like, it's like image comp with code, right? In order to get this level of consistency, but that's definitely more work or a different type of work, I guess, than doing pure image comp. Yeah. What is it with PFP projects and hating teeth? (laughs) <laughs> I guess this is my question. I don't know. It seems to be such a common theme across them as having weird messed up teeth. These are very like Basquiat inspired, right? I mean, that's clearly a visual reference for this artist. If you look at some of Kala's previous work, you can see references to this in Cross Skulls and Punk Casso as well. 
A, you kind of see the, the fucked up teeth in okay. cross skulls. But if I looked at Gen XYZ next to a Pancaso, I'd be like, yeah, this is the same person, just in terms of style, or at least in terms of inspiration. Pancaso is definitely within like the Guernica as per um, the project notes, but it's just kind of putting a different filter on like the same point of view, I think. What else should we say about this one? It's got a floor of two tes. The ones that have text in the background, those have much higher floors. Okay. I went through and checked because I was sort of interested in maybe picking one up, but... Yeah, you're going to replace your Organicon? No, I still love the Organicon, but I don't know. I don't get PFP projects either. Yeah, I mean, I, I get them to the extent that they're a means for speculation. I don't really get them... As a means of self-expression? Yeah, I just don't really get them as a pure, like, buy the one you want to actually represent you. I don't get that aspect of them. I think about, like, the avatars that I've had, like, throughout the last 20 plus years. It's always been, like, random, like, unique images that I've pulled from the internet because I like them. And I think that the idea that they're part of a larger collection and there's a group of people who have other derivatives of my avatar, that turns me off so much. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to be looped into like the group of people who have like an ape avatar. I like using avatar versus PFP. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, I don't want to be tied to like a larger group of people that I may or may not identify with. It's important for me to feel unique. Having a PFP that is part of a PFP project does not meet that goal. Does that make sense? No, totally. It's just not the type of thing that appeals to me either. But clearly it it appeals to people like, right? Like a lot of people minted these, a lot of people have traded them like over a thousand on the secondary. So we might just be the weird ones. (laughs) I'm fine with that. For not wanting or or not really caring about expressing ourselves this way. Maybe it's because we're too old. I think that we're smack dab in the middle for the age range of people who are doing NFTs. Oh, well, uh, NFTs on FX hash. Yeah, that might be true. We're right in our demographic for listenership on the podcast. So, well, that's mostly artists though. So, uh, that's true. I think it is nice that they're code based. I think it's nice that they're not attached to some bigger project, that they really are just at face value, complete, no roadmap. So, not personally against these types of things at all. Just no. not for me. You know, maybe I would get some to like take a look at, but in terms of using it as a form of expression on the internet, not so much. One thing that I did mint four of and accidentally won with the podcast wallet. I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Security Monsters by Punkgan. You know, when I minted it, there were only like three or four that had been minted. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be using cool AI generated textures in order to make a PFP. But there's a lot of overlap in the way that they came out. So they're not quite diverse enough. No, it was worth a fly at like a quarter of a Tez. But I think that's something that if somebody put in the effort to make something GAN-like for a PFP project and was able to get the scale to a thousand or 10,000, that would be really freaking awesome. Yeah. Maybe that could be a future collaboration. Danielle, if you're listening, get working on an AI PFP project. Heck yeah. All right, should we do the last one, which is also kind of in the shout out I mean, now we're moving more into the shout out range, but we have this as number four on our list for the week. Yeah. This is Absorbed by Parameta, Hieroglyphica, and in collaboration with Kef, K-E-F, 500 editions, zero tes, all reserved to people who either joined the Kef Discord and went through some hoops there 
or bought really expensive KEF speakers. <laughs> Interesting piece to have on the platform. And actually a lot more have been claimed now. I think they, when they opened it up to Discord membership and not having to buy several thousand dollars worth of speakers, more people were able to mint them. So there's only about 40 left to be claimed. I joined the Discord to do a little bit of journalism on this. And I believe that the remaining or the bulk of the remaining reserves will be used for community events or IRL events. So gotcha. it wasn't clear to me when I joined the Discord how to get on the reserve list. Maybe I just didn't do enough sleuthing. Maybe it was too late by then. It could have been too late. I joined a couple of days ago and you know this had rolling reserves, but I think we saw some going through the sales feed in like the teens and 20s, that, that general range. I think it's a pretty cool project. We're not paid to shill this project. Uh, we do not have high-end speakers. I'm not a speakers <laughs> person, I'm a headphones now, person. Now, if you want to send us some, then we can talk. It is cool. I mean, before we started recording, you were screen sharing and showing me like, unfortunately for me in Chrome on my computer, they don't animate, but they do have a pretty cool animation that results in some pretty cool shapes. The thing that I'm a little confused about is on their website, it said that they were going to do 1,050 or 1,080 tokens or some some number between 1,000 and 1,100. This only has 500. So I wonder if there's like a complementary project coming. Is that also going to be FX hash or will that be a different chain? I really have no idea. I don't think so. I think they're they're committed to using Tezos, like reading okay. through the documentation. Like granted, they're saying it's because they want to use like the green chain. And obviously Ethereum is much greener these days. But I also appreciate the fact that they're going with Tezos. I assume that somebody at the company really is a Tezos fan and that they pushed for it to be released here. But I can definitely see this project supporting a thousand pieces, you know, looking through it. It's quite cool. Yeah, it definitely seems like it could have supported a thousand Look at the variety and also taking into account that it animates, right? And there, there can be mm-hmm. so much variety past what the thumbnails are showing. There's also some utility to these, it seems, right? Like they're kind of like membership from looking at the website. It was like, if you have these, they're going to enable things at future events or something like that. I don't know. I read their website like three times and I feel like I still have a lot of questions about what exactly this collaboration is, but it is cool that it's happening on Tezos and FX hash. So I'm happy for that. The work itself, you know, the, the collaborator Hieroglyphica, they've had a couple of other projects. One other one came out this week, which was Poems in the Public Domain. They had a previous collaboration with Ana Maria Caballero with I Wish for the Metaverse, but these are both like poetry-based projects. Mm-hmm. It's astounding the jump in work that they have with Absorbed versus their prior projects, which were Flow and Flow 2. Right. You can see the connection between yeah. them. Some of these, like I'm like looking at number 15, they almost give me like Quibibi vibes. As a still thumbnail. Yeah, as a still thumbnail. Like just in terms of the palettes, I think, and you know, the like way that the colors are, the lines are drooping and like intersecting. Mm-hmm. There's a certain like whimsy and richness there that I would see in like Quibibi's work. It's overall, I mean, the thumbnails are cool. The animation you showed me is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, you know, neither of us have these. If you want in and you're interested in whatever stuff might be coming from Kef, you can check out their Discord and consider getting one on a secondary or like just see if there's another drop coming. Their website says there's going to be over a thousand. So, yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said about brands starting to use NFTs for marketing. That's not necessarily new, but I do think it's new that they're using gen art for marketing. Yeah. I think there have been some other collaborations over on ETH, but in terms of FX Ash, I think it's 
a first, if not one of the firsts. And real world collaborations like Ivona did. A, oh, the which Jameson. alcohol it was? Yeah, Jameson. There were like special Jameson bottles that featured some of her work on them and stuff. And uh, there are some other artists who did another big branded deal that not an FX hash artist, which is why I'm not remembering their name. But it's it is starting to get out there. It's interesting. Should we continue the shout out though to poems in the public domain, which is on our shout outs list for the week, since that also features hieroglyphica? Yeah, let's do it. And so this is, like you said, the collaboration with Ana Maria Caballero, poems taken from the public domain. But the generative aspect about it is the annotation. Did you play with these? I did not play with these at all. Uh, poetry generally goes over my head. So Yeah, they're really weird, like in a good way. So when you run the animation, all of this annotation starts happening on the fly. And you can see notes like, what a great line. Oh, there's subtle anger here. The tone mm-hmm. softens, like surprising conclusion. And then that dissolves and, and kind of like blows away, like in the wind sort of, and then reanimates. And then an all new interpretation takes place of the poem. I'm really curious like how they did this because I, I have to assume a lot of the annotation is preceded to kind of like make sense. And also it's not just the same poem every time. Like there's a lot of different poems featured here. 30 different poems. So if you look at... If you pick a poem, it's one of the traits. Okay, They'll all cool. be the same, but the the annotations are different. It's just a really interesting idea for a project. It's generative interpretations of a poem. Mm-hmm. I didn't get any personally. I saw them going through the secondary. These dropped while I was away. And I wasn't super aware of them. The floor is now 40 Tez, so a little rich for my wallet currently. But I, I think it's a really cool idea. And, I agree. Um, yeah, shout out to both of these folks for doing more stuff with poetry on the platform. I think our next shout out is something that typically we would have expected to be in our top five for the week. It's too new. Yeah. It's too new. Uh, Different Intersections, Iteration 4, by the official Landlines art account. And this is the culmination of the Iterations series under the extracurriculars name. 340 editions free. And it was for people who had at least one of Iterations 1, 2, and 3 and people got one per set of iterations that they had. So you had two or three sets, I think. I had three, which has actually put me in like the top 20. So Landlines put a Google Doc out with wallets and stuff so you could check your reserves. And there were two people who had like close to 20 sets. And then it dropped off really quickly from there down to like eight, five, four, three. So having even just three complete sets was pretty high up in the uh, rank ordering there. It's interesting, right? Because the previous ones were all 512. And so that shows about what 40% of the people who collected at least one from one didn't complete their sets. I didn't complete my sets. I know you're, you're in that 40%. I'm in the salty 40%. It's well documented how you haven't, you know, didn't go back for iteration one and the cost issues. So yeah, Trinity, let's hear your iteration, your final iterations take. Oh, I think that this final iterations is, I think it's fine. Okay. I think it's cool. I like how some of them, you know, I, right now I'm just looking at number 54, which is on sale. It's with a pure pink background, which is like very quintessential landlines. To a certain extent, the way that the different pieces of this animate, it feels very featurey. It's either going to have this expression, this, this other expression, or this other expression over here, which I don't always love in the context of generative art per se, because mm-hmm. it's like, here are n different algorithms that we're picking between one of these and it's executing. It's hard for me to talk about this concretely because 
I felt mad about the hoarding <laughs> of all the iterations. Yeah. And the, like, just like the pure speculation that really drove a lot of the market dynamics around it. I think that kind of ruined them for me, which is not to say I don't think the pieces are great. But when you were talking about the separation between art and market, it's not fair. I, I'm very happy to acknowledge that. What do you think? Well, I get what you're saying on the featureiness of it. it. Of the Landlines catalog, like the one that did that the most distinctly was Negative Space. That one had like such obviously different things going on between like the pinwheel ones, the square ones, the flowy field ones, the parachutes. Like it literally did feel like five or six algorithms coming together. And the thing that unified them more was the color palettes and maybe just the general noisiness and overlapping of the pieces. Mm -hmm. That piece has like held up actually pretty well over time. Every time I've gone back to look at picking some more up, it's like I'm surprised at some of the floors. But I think this one does a better job of being more unified. Looking at five in a row, I think it's more obvious that they're all from the same algorithm than negative space accomplished. I think iteration one is maybe still my favorite from like just like the surprise factor and how weird some of those could get. But this final one is my second favorite. Is there any particular mode that you like the most? I really like the style like number three. So the grid mode. Yeah, grid mode. I mean, number three is super cool to me because I also think those colors, like that landline's pink in there, the blue and the red, it's very subtle. I didn't mint any like that, unfortunately. So that, that that's the type I really, really like. And... I also like one of the style that I did mint, which is overlapping curves and specifically overlapping curves with varied widths being false. So they're all the same. That one creates some really nice compositions. As an example, I'll give the one that I minted, which is 105. number 105. Yeah. Like of the three I minted, 105, 108, and 111, I like that they all do feel connected because they're all so curvy and jumbled. So overall, like as someone who was in from the beginning, I think the experiment was cool. I was getting a little scared and I saw some apprehension from people in Discord that Iterations 4 wasn't looking like it was going to deliver. I think it did ultimately. Like Now looking through all of the outputs, I think it did a good job. I guess like the one thing that I would say is that it definitely is an Iteration 4. But I think when I was looking at this and, you know, especially when comparing it to kind of like the progressive work that we were seeing in the sketch series by Ipsketch, mm -hmm. it's iteration four. It's not like the final iteration, if you know what I mean. Well, it is the final iteration. I, I, I know it is the final iteration, but it doesn't feel like a final iteration. Mm. I feel that there could still be or should be iterations five, six, seven, eight until we reach a logical conclusion. This doesn't feel like the culmination of like a series of sketches. This just feels like one more sketch within the series. To me, the difference between these iterations and the sketch series is I think like none of these felt like sketches. I think all of these felt like fully complete projects. Mm. And I think that it was like going back to when Raph was like dissecting Lisa's code, right? And just like how changing one parameter totally changed the way the project looked. Those little choices that an artist makes how small changes can really make the output so wildly different. I think that Landlines kind of got to the end of a project and saw a lot of different outcomes and was like, they're iterations. They're all iterations of a finished project where Sketch is like, okay, here's your dot. Okay, now you get three dots. <laughs> okay, um, now you get like a full grid of dots and it's, it's a progression. I mean, again, I'm not invested in that project, right? So it's like not mm -hmm. interesting to me. But 
I think that's the difference. I don't know. Feel free to disagree. I think that the sketch series feels more like sketches to me. And yeah. I, I, it's not trying to be anything that it's not. Like it's very unashamedly sketches. And I know that you know, there's some consternation around like the reserve mechanic where if you don't have sketch yet, it's kind of like the entire series is dead to you. But I actually like that because there isn't necessarily a speculative fervor around it. Because if like you're in, you're guaranteed in because you're getting reserves. You know, you're not trying to fight with other people who are collecting so that they can sell to the people who have sketch A. And so it's kind of safe in that regard. There was a lot of speculative fervor over Sketch A when it came out. Oh, yeah, around Sketch A, but we haven't really seen that since. You know, like the Sketch series is really for people who like Ipsketch. Like Sketch E, which is the most recent plausible example, it's over 50% sold. It's 110 out of 200 sold. But the lowest second sale is like 15 out of like a lowest possible mint price of 10. And everybody who's in the Sketch, you know, they bought at 10 very safely and very soundly because they had reserves. They're very two different takes. I sent landlines a message saying, hey, now that it's done, maybe come on. I would love to kind of talk and get their perspective about the whole, the whole project. And this is not a ding on landlines. You know, I love landlines. I mean, I think when people do interesting market-based experiments like this, they merit discussion like this. So, mm-hmm. all right, should we just do one more shout out? And then we got to do looking ahead and wrap it up. Last shout out goes to Get In by Flynn's, 128 editions, two Tez, way too cheap. Flint's time to bring that price up a little bit. I tried to mint this with three gas and missed. The floor is slowly coming down. I mean, it looks like pretty much only flippers got them, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm kind of sitting and waiting. Kind of like feels connected to their tribute piece, Gallet. Yeah, definitely. I'm just trying to figure out how much gas people spent on this. I know that somebody failed with 10. That's crazy. Flynn's should definitely be at least minimum eight Tez per minute. And I think maybe more in like the 10 to 12 range. Yeah, this was a one block wonder for sure. Somebody who got in like towards the back half. So obviously the transactions that have more gas are going to go through. 30 gas. Oh my God. It's hard to see with this, within this transaction. It's a little bit weird. Well, that's crazy. That's, I mean, no wonder my three failed. People who gas 30 are taking a bit of a loss here. They're definitely taking a loss. <laughs> it looks like. So yeah, be careful gassing, I guess. But some very cool variety to this piece and definitely one I'm going to be watching as a Flint's fan. I really like the really zoomed in ones like number 10, which is might be the floor piece or getting close to it. We really get to see the texture of and kind of almost like the tiling design that makes up these structures. Flint's still cool. Just got to get those prices up, buddy. I lied. It was 13 gas. My bad. Okay, but 13 is still like a lot. I mean, this is something that could have been higher editions, but Goyalt, you know, also was pretty low with only 100. It's interesting because, you know, some of the earlier pieces, like, well, I think specifically Lind had 384, which was good, and Kilt also had 400. They're doing what the algorithm supports. Yeah, and it's also I interesting assume. because their projects demand pretty good secondary prices. So in terms of matching your primary to what we're seeing on the secondary, it's just one Tez, one Tez, one Tez, one Tez, two Tez. <laughs> Random.da. I still prefer like their larger additioned work to these smaller ones overall. So, you know, Kilt, Fargile, Kari, Lind. I would like to see Flint's go back to some of these bigger ones and up the price a little bit. All right. What are we looking forward to, Trinity? We can start with the one that's been in the queue longer, which is Asekia, a collaboration between Richpool and the Paper Crane. They had a previous collaboration, 
titled Miniscapes, which was very fun when it came out. I think it sold out so fast and is still maintaining a floor of 108. Yeah, Sekia is like really cool. It has like a Monument Valley vibes to me in terms of it's Big like time. You know, the very geometric style of things and the way that it animates. Usually you don't like this style of work, but you said that you liked it. The thing that stands out to me on this project more than anything is the colors. They strategically only given us five variations to, to look at in previews here. I mean, if you're savvy, you can get around that. I haven't gone to look more deep, but I, I know that there's some really interesting variations that you can get, like a giant pool and some that have like no water. I, I rolled one that had no water within my five. But to me, it's like just the structures, the color, the shading, more so than the fact that it's like a city carved into a mountainside or whatever it is and, mm-hmm. and the water it's kind of got this like Eshery vibe to Monument it. Monument Valley. Um, if nobody's played Monument Valley, I mean, you're like 10 years late, but go and do it. It's great. And they, they actually made a sequel. I didn't play the sequel to it. but Sequel's good. That color and shading like just hits in a way that's very appealing to me. It's really more that than anything else. I'm definitely going to be trying to mint it. It's a Dutch auction that starts at 216 and goes down to 64. I predict that it will not mint out at either 16 or 64. Or 216 or 64. I could see it going in the 100 or 80 range based on where their previous collab is. But we'll find out on November 7th. Shortly after this episode airs, yeah. I mean, if it gets down to 80, I'll probably mint. Hopefully I'll have enough tests to mint two because I feel like this could be buy two, flip one type of thing. There's potential. Do you think they put the pronunciation of Asekia in here? Just because of the terrible, terrible pronunciation of Pico de Gallio in Great British Bake Off. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> but I'm actually behind on Bake Off. We have to catch up. So I haven't watched the Spanish Foods episode yet. You didn't watch It's Mexican Week. No, I haven't watched Mexican Week yet. Okay, I think the last Mexican one we watched was Pizza Week. Okay. Also atrocious. Yeah. So let's move on to the next uh, thing that we're looking forward to. This is one that just, I think that just hit the queue which is yes. Departure Within Shattered Windmills from Eric Davidson. Who recently had an art blocks par- project. Yeah. And we last talked about their work across Paper Stones six, eight weeks ago. Mm-hmm. As a really nice piece that a lot of people discovered, had a bunch of action on the secondary. This is their new one on FX Hash. 400 editions, only two Tez to mint. Pretty cheap. Across Paper Stones was also two Tez with a floor of 10. I feel like this could have at least been a Dutch auction that started in the 20s and then made its way down to two just to try to capture more of the primary. But Eric, you do you, man. Oh, wow. And there's 25% of royalties to the original Minter. Yes. Not that we've seen that play out in an enormous way, but it's not nothing. So yeah, this is definitely going to be a gassy one probably just off of that and off of the previous project. And flipping through, they're pretty cool. Very different. Very different from Paper Stones. It's very... Silk screeny, which is a nice take, like something new, I think, that they're kind of doing. Some of them remind me not so much in the colors, but in the construction and the shapes of like the very early work Toy from Disney Oh, okay. Oh, and Toy Minto, yes, also. Yeah, Capigen. Capigen, and then like if you look at some of the earliest Ismahilio stuff, the postcard series. I love the postcard series. Oh my God. Yeah. Get me some of that postcard series. Kind of in that vein as well. All right, definitely one for us to watch in Mint. And lastly, just kind of like a PSA, Clift from Ada, Ada, Ada is opening up actually in an hour after this recording when I'm going to be gone. 
You might have a reserve. I think I have a reserve, which is really generous of them. But yeah, this is a super cool piece that they released for <laughs> which Art Basel event? Oh, Paris Plus. Paris. So this was like a week or two ago. And as with a lot of their art, it takes some real world themes. So this one's combining their interest in climate change and their interest in gender equality or lack thereof. It's a really cool piece that changes every day. And you can use the key strokes to increase the date by a year and, and do stuff and play with what the future versions of it will look like as the two kind of shapes representing the gender gap like come together while the overall distortion representing the degradation of our environment um, starts to take over the piece. So really nice, high concept piece. And the ones that I've been minted look awesome. And I'm excited yeah. to hopefully grab more than one if I'm lucky when I get back. I'm excited story. to play through the, the different iterations. I think you should be able to get more than one of, more than one of them. There are a thousand available. I think the thing that I'm most excited about, or not most excited about, but one of the things I really liked is that this is a fully accessible piece for people who are not aware of like the accessibility app acts and like ADA compliance. It's about what can you do to make typically a website or a building accessible to people with like different disabilities. And so one big part of it is using screen readers to describe what a picture is doing or what an icon is. And so Ada 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 released a really cool Twitter thread about how this piece was made accessible via like verbal and audio descriptions so that people who are have impaired eyesight can still appreciate the piece, which is pretty rad, I think. Cool. And something that, you know, I'd never thought about in context of generative art or digital art at all because it's such an inherently visual space. Yeah. I think it's something that we can and should be thinking about into the future. Nice catch. I totally missed that. So yeah, I guess that's kind of it for what we're looking forward to. I'm sure there'll be stuff that, you know, <laughs> that pops up between now and next episode. Good luck with your move, Shreddy. Thanks. And hopefully you get settled in time for some fun recording next week. And then of course, the biggest thing to look forward to, what could be bigger than playing Cube on the 12th? Nothing. Are you excited to play Cube? I'm excited to Cube on the 12th. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, I think that's it for this one. Fingers crossed that I have internet set up for next week. Yeah, big fingers crossed. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. As always, your support is much appreciated. Your donations through minting our FX text article. If you want to continue to see those, please consider minting them. That's it for this one. We'll talk to you all soon. Later. <laughs>